All right, you're back in the DFSR here with an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, that is James Davis. And we are from Daily Fantasy Sports Rankings, and we're going to be bringing you a recap of Week 4, a preview of Week 5 on FanDuel and DraftKings. Looking back at the week, kind of looking forward to what we can kind of maybe suss out for the week to come. I didn't feel, I mean, my overall feeling about this past week was just kind of boring. Am I wrong by that? Like, I don't know. I, I mean, there's some storylines we can get into. We're going to get into some injury stuff. I just felt like from a, from a lineup perspective, from just an overall football perspective, we got some stuff to talk about, but I don't know if it was like a week four kind of like things are just getting sorted out and we kind of know what to expect from the NFL or... There just are so many bad teams still at this point that I'm having trouble overcoming just, I don't know, a quarter of the teams just being borderline unwatchable. What were your thoughts here from week four? I was unimpressed is the wrong word, I guess, but I, I just didn't seem like the, 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 nothing really popped out to me this week. Yeah, well, I think that happens a lot of times for DFS-focused folks when you're sitting there trying to submit your lineups on Sunday and you have to play some amount of plays that aren't very exciting. Like for me, that kind of colors the whole weekend. And sometimes those plays work out a la Wayne Gallman, and sometimes they just really don't. And so I think that was what kind of colored it for me. We, we did have some, I'd say, surprising performances. And I think there were some performances we could learn from as well. But yeah, I think uh, by and large, my sentiment is is roughly the same. Um, some interesting games. But yeah, I think the NFL, the big thing, the big issue right now is there really is a parity problem because the yeah. number of terrible teams that goes in and makes a certain number of games totally unwatchable. Like that's the big complaint I would have, you know, like teams like the Redskins, the Dolphins, obviously the Jets with their backup quarterback situation. You just can't even watch these games. So it's essentially like, you know, six more teams are on buys every week where the team, that team, and then the team that's playing them. So, uh, and it kind of gives it that end of season feel too, where you're not really sure if you're going to like lose touches on your primary guys. And I don't know. Yeah. So that, that makes it a little bit less enjoyable for me, but I still took, took pleasure in a few big performances. Doug. Well, I will say that, you know, the dolphins get everyone that's still left in their suicide pool uh, a little worried because they don't know who to pick against. Cause they're on a buy this week, but luckily, like you said, the jets are coming back. So everyone can just pick Philadelphia and move on because that, <laughs> I will say that from a, from a suicide pool or, you know, a limiter pool, whatever you want to call them perspective, this has been an insanely easy season so far because there's some of these teams are just having almost no hope of winning games. Uh, the Dolphins being one of them so far. Uh, so you do get the Jets coming back. So there you go. There's your pick for the week. Everyone play the Eagles and then move on. No game theory here. The Jets are not going to win this game. There is, um, you know, to mention some quarterback stuff. There were some injuries this week. Not too much the position players. A couple quarterbacks got hurt. Josh Allen took a really bad hit in the Patriots game. Uh, I mean, some people called it a dirty hit at the time. It was it was borderline. He's in concussion protocol. I'd be shocked if he played. Trubisky got hurt this week for the Bears. Chase Daniel came in. I do not does not look like he's going to be out long term, but it doesn't look like he's going to be playing. Sam Darnold, like we said, is still out with mono, and it's actually maybe not looking good because he was starting to mention some spleen issues. Uh, and then Case Keenum got benched for Haskins. Um, not like it mattered. Haskins looked. Every bit as bad as Keenum looked, if maybe, if maybe not worse, um, into that game. So, again, yeah, I'd go with worse. I mean, it's yo, just hard he was to, so bad. He's just I, simply I, not ready. It's a tough thing to watch. We were watching the Giants. We had like the Red Zone channel on and the Giants Redskins game on, and on the second screen, and Keenum, my brother-in-law Adam and I were talking. We, um, and we were like, Keenum's just so bad. He got to bench this guy. He missed like two wide open throws on the field, and then Haskins came in. And we're like, ah, maybe never mind. Uh, this guy's it's just way worse. But uh, whatever. If you're just the Redskins, I don't think it really matters. All right, let's talk quarterbacks this week. 
Patrick Mahomes, for the first time in, that I can remember, did not finish in the top 10 in quarterback scoring this week. Um, mm-hmm. Do we see is the, the and it wasn't just like a drop. It's just a series on your waiver wire. The uh, it wasn't it wasn't like a flu game where they just like end up having to run the ball too. Detroit just kind of looked like they had a plan. Like I don't know they the the, the Chiefs really really struggled to get anything going on offense. Uh, he had his second. I looked it up. He had his second worst fantasy scoring game of his career. So of the you know, seventeen or eighteen weeks that he's played as a starting quarterback so far. Uh, excuse me, this was twentieth week, um, non playoff included. This was his second worst game of his career. Only eighteen DraftKings points. Anything to make of this game when you see this from Mahomes? People got excited because it was in a dome. It looks like this is just the kind of game that you can go crazy on, and he just really really underperformed. Anything to make from a, a down game from him, or just kind of it happens and move on. Well, I was just grateful that it happened this week uh, because, as you know, Mahomes is on my team in my DFSR season-long league that I play with our chatters. But thankfully, I was up against an absolutely terrible team uh, led by one of our chatters, DZ. So I uh, felt great that this bad week came in, in essentially my bye week going up against DZ's team. So uh, that felt pretty good. Um, as for Mahomes owners like myself going forward, there's nothing to worry about. I mean, Detroit, I guess, stopped him, but they still managed 27 points on offense. Uh, you know, not counting the defensive touchdown, of course. And Mahomes himself put up 369 total yards. Like, I, I get that this is what a down game looks like for him, but it was still serviceable for fantasy purposes. And had he had one touchdown, you know, of any kind, then it would have just been a fine points per dollar week, too. So, yeah, I'm not going to go tear my hair out about Mahomes. He'll still be good for 300 yards and three touchdowns going forward. Um, no surprise. It's not like you're getting him cheap or anything off the back of this game either. So I don't know that there's a lot to take away there. Um, in terms of fantasy scoring on the season, Lamar Jackson leads all I don't know, skill position, well, just all players in fantasy scoring. He has 118.2 DK points right now. He's a, the, the, on the back of this Mahomes just kind of poor game where he had uh, the no touchdowns. Do we see Lamar as just the just overall safest option at this point just because of what he's doing on the ground? He didn't run the ball at all in week one, and he's still – oh, I had it right in front of me, and I just dropped it. He is – Oh, he has like a hundred more yards. I actually I, I blew this because I did the wrong query. I had the wrong query in front of me. But he has like something like a hundred more yards rushing than the next closest quarterback. And plus, he's he's thrown for over a thousand yards already on the season as well. Is he just when you add in this rushing piece for him? Do we just need to maybe just move him ahead of Mahomes at this point, just in the t- safest overall fantasy just commodity because of the way he simply mostly because of the way he the way he scores his points. Yeah, and he's also less expensive too. So I think you know you're getting it both ways, where you're getting this incredibly high floor from you know he's basically building in six fantasy points to start the day uh, when it comes to the rushing yards, which is incredible. And he's getting it done in the air this year too. You know that was really the question mark going into this season, but with 65% completion rate, uh, averaging you know almost 300 yards a game in the air. You know whether that'll maintain or not, I guess we'll see. But uh, 10 touchdowns to two interceptions. Again, he's going to pass his preseason. Uh, projected total of 15.5 passing touchdowns from Vegas. He'll pass that in, in two or three weeks here. So, um, yeah, Jackson's great. I, I have nothing nothing but good things to say about the guy. Um, I think if I was just looking for a raw points floor, I would still take Mahomes. But after that, I mean, Jackson's six points ahead of Mahomes, who's about 10 points ahead of Russell Wilson. So uh, you're looking at a real clear one and two sort of forming at the top of the league right now. It just, you know, one of the reasons you just don't need to play these guys every week is the quarterback position just in general from a scoring standpoint is just 
kind of just save all the way down the board. Like, I, I, I already started looking ahead to cash games for week five. And I, and I said there's, like, something like a log jam. I mean, Mahomes is, is 10% higher than – 10% more expensive than the next highest guy on FanDuel. So I think you can, like, just from that perspective, probably just weed him out and just say we don't need to spend this. But after him, going into this next week, we do have something – of an issue, I would say. I think you're going to see ownership really spread out because we've seen some guys that have maybe underperformed their expectation. We've seen some guys that are going to go in and have just like really good matchups because there are, you know, the Cincinnati's and the Atlantas of the world that are, you know, not great defenses. I'm talking about like Deshaun Watson or Kyler Murray. Jameis just coming off a huge game against the Rams. There's just like this Wentz gets the Jets. Like there's just kind of like this group of quarterbacks in the middle that I just, it's really, really hard to make heads or tails about. Any of these guys... Anyone like kind of like jump up a little bit off their week four performance? Like, you know, does the Jameis, the Jameis game against on the road against the Rams do anything for you there? Like, does Kyler Murray kind of like maybe underperforming for a few weeks in a row? Do we knock him down? Like, are you taking any of these other performances and maybe moving the pieces around in terms of who you see as viable fantasy quarterbacks, just like in this maybe upper tier? Yeah, I'd rather not play Murray probably. I mean, just because as we're looking forward, rookie quarterbacks are always the ones that are going to, you know, their stock is going to go up and down so dramatically. And if we're really looking for safety at the position, I just don't know that he's where we turn. Uh, You like to see that he's, you know, putting together yards on the ground. And that obviously raises the floor quite a bit, but it's not on the order of like Lamar Jackson. You know, it's he's he's averaging about two fantasy points a game on the ground, which is fine and nice and you'll take it. But uh, the, you know, rough completion percentage, you know, four to four touchdown interception ratio. uh, He's looking more like a bottom tier guy to me. Um, I would say in that next tier up, though, like basically once you get into like everyone from like Phil Rivers and then there's around 12 quarterbacks above him in terms of raw fantasy scoring this season, any of those guys I would feel comfortable with. So um, I'm not going to read off a big list of names. You kind of just did that. But yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of viability. And, you know, the point we've been hammering uh, and which has worked well for us in a very successful beginning to this DFS NFL season is figure out where you need to spend to find your safety right in these positions like quarterback like tight end actually kind of ironically wide receivers been this way this season you've been able to find safety at a bunch of different price tiers and uh, right now running back is the area like you know we play Christian McCaffrey people um, he will only wind up being I think like 30 to 40 percent owned last week but you know our system looked at it and was like we just don't know where you find safety if it's not if one of your slots doesn't have Christian McCaffrey's name in it, right? And and that bore out pretty well. So um, so that's how I'm kind of looking at this. Quarterback is a mix and match position for me. I'm not going to prioritize the most expensive guys uh, in the same way I would at running back. If you're headed to a game this year and you need tickets, there's only one place to go, and that's Vivid Seats. It's super easy. You go to the App Store, download the Vivid Seats app. You use the promo code OVERTIME. That's O V E R. T-I-M-E, and you save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. Once again, Vivid Seats, use the promo code OVERTIME. It's that easy. Get tickets, go to the game. You won't regret it. Well, so let's just move to running back then because McCaffrey is just such an interesting case. So right now, McCaffrey has 20 more touches. That's, uh, once again, that's carries plus a reception plus passing targets. He has 20 more touches or, you know, looks than the next closest guy who's Nick Chubb. So he has McCaffrey has 117 on the season. Uh, Chubb has 97. 
is this, are we at a point, I mean, this usage rate is, like, insane. Like, it's really almost, like, not sustainable. Like, he's just going to get hurt, probably. Like, I just, like, I don't really know another way to put it. Or he's just going to be dead by the time he's, you know, 26 or something like that. Because you just really can't, as a running back, just carry and touch the ball this much. It's just been proven time and time again. There's very few guys, like Adrian Peterson's aside, who are, like, still standing, thank goodness. But, like, after that, the, the list gets real short about the, not the amount of guys that can touch the ball this many times. But while he's doing it, do we just... Is it like almost like is this like Todd Gurley at the beginning of last season? Is like there's no limit to like what we just should be able to pay for him on a week to week basis. The price is up again, but it's like eighty seven hundred on DraftKings right now, and I think he's like nine. He's ninety. Is he nine thousand on Fanduel? He's ninety one hundred on Fanduel. These these prices seem crazy, and he's playing Jacksonville, and it's still like you just got to play him. Like these touches, he has a whole game's more touches than than the next closest running back. Yeah, I mean he leads the league in carries, total running yards, targets receptions <laughs> he doesn't leave it in receiving yards shout out to austin eckler for getting there on that but um yeah it's uh it's a uh, one of those situations especially as you start going down the line and trying to figure out who the other safe running backs are like that's really the informative thing for me uh, eckler is going to get a lot less safe with gordon getting back into the mix uh we've seen some of these other running backs who can put together huge games like nick chubb or dalvin cook be somewhat game script dependent and uh while mccaffrey is not in the league's best offense or anything He's the only guy on this list that I think you can really look at and say, no matter what the game script is, he's going to get his because Caroline's played in all manner of different games so far this season, and it really hasn't affected him on a week-to-week basis. So with other guys, I think we will wind up with, you know, good playable options at, you know, multiple spots at running back in the future from week to week. But McCaffrey right now seems like the only guy I would really slot into that spot of like, okay, you know, we're going to we're gonna get there on him and we don't really need to worry about um you know, don't need to worry about if the Panthers are down 10 points in the first quarter. Yeah, I, and that list is short. That The list of, like, sort of game script independent backs, we talked about this last week leading into the cash game and, and the game-by-game the game game preview uh, about, you know, how short this list was. Obviously, we said McCaffrey was. We thought that, you know, Camaro basically was. Dalvin Cook had, really hadn't been given the chance uh, just because they had, the games had kind of gotten out of, out of hand and, that sort of bore itself out, but he still played like he played down the stretch in that loss to the Bears this week. We we played Leonard Fournette. I mean, do you feel like we do you feel like the 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 process was correct on Fournette? We ended up with him in cash games on FanDuel. It wasn't an overwhelming play. It ran for over two hundred yards. We had talked about like having the yardage was something of a problem for him. Like the touches weren't. You know, does he still? Do we? You know, you see, he's sixty nine hundred again on Fanduel this week. I, is he kind of just a lock for the way that they're using him? I know he's not in the McCaffrey zone, but is he just very clearly on this short list of guys? I think this this list of running backs is like for me like seven long, and that's it. No, Fournette's not on the list for me in in that McCaffrey tier, but he doesn't really need to be if he's sixty nine hundred. Um, he's in like the next tier down for me, like kind of in that like Nick Chubb sort of range where. It seems like the touches are going to be there. And then the real question is, will those touches turn into production? And that's going to be largely dependent on opponent from week to week. So, you know, because we, we've seen him get 25 touches and do absolutely nothing. You know, he's not a strong uh, yards per carry type of guy, um, you know, goes in and faces that overrated Denver defense and is able to do stuff. Although it wasn't looking that easy in his first 16 touches in that game either. You know, it really really came on in the last 14 or so. But, you know, again, if you did the math there, you're looking at a guy who can touch the ball 31 times in a game, and there aren't that many running backs who can do that. I will say, you know, we do have some safer options for cash this week. You know, you got, like, uh, Dalvin Cook going up against the Giants as four-and-a-half-point favorites. By the way, I'm also just buying the Vikings on that one, too. Um, you got 
Zeke is on the main slate this week too. So you're getting some of those safer guys back into the mix here. And that'll make me less inclined to want to reach down for someone like Fournette. But I can certainly see doing it. I mean, it's not like Jacksonville's three and a half point dogs. You have to think that he's going to be a big part of the plan here. Yeah, you know, Zeke has been an interesting one too. Like he's really underperformed since coming back from just coming back from the contract holdout. He's been pretty just bad so far. Um, I don't know if, if you know if, if enough of Tony Pollard is there or the contract hasn't like scared away in terms of like he. Well, I guess he played all of the snaps this last game, but he just was bad. Like 18, 18 carries, thirty five yards. I, I misspoke a little bit because I was. I, I don't know if I was transplanting like the Pollard game. Uh, the, all the snaps. Yeah, and that's there. one bad. That's one bad game too. I mean, he was good on a yards per carry basis in all of his other games. So, um, but you know, Zeke has had some pretty cupcake matchups. I mean, the giant, the Eli Giants, the Redskins, Miami, and then New Orleans. And that was that was a tough one. But um, yeah, Zeke. The, you could say he's had a, probably the best schedule of any running back so far. And he's got a Green Bay defense. I mean, we're doing the cash game podcast now, but a Green, Ga- Green Bay uh, defense who's uh, been pretty tough this year. Yeah, maybe he's not the the place you want to invest your absolute top end play here. I think we have. Some, I think what we're going to see this week, and and I'll probably just stop and we'll just talk about the performances because you're right because we're probably trending too close to like what we're going to do in week five. But yeah. I will say that what I'm already noticing from this coming week is that there are, I'm. I'm hard pre- like last week I could see we we could very clearly see like Eckler is going to be a huge start. He was on like 80% in cash game or something like that. Uh we, we knew Keenan Allen was going to be a huge star. They had so many injuries plus the target share for him was crazy. So like these are like at that point you're just playing, you know, 6 on 6 or something like that for for most for the most part in cash games. I do not think we're going to see anyone as of right now. I cannot see anyone like that. So many of these guys are so close. I mentioned the quarterbacks are so close. Um, I just don't think we're going to walk into this huge cash game, just percentages that we saw last week. It just doesn't seem like that kind of week. What other, any other running back kind of stuff stand out from you? I, I, there is one other injury note. Jamal Williams left the game early last week. It does not look like he's going to play. If he were to sit out, where would you, how much would you want to bump Aaron Jones's usage up? He's another one who, even when given the touches at times, has really not been all that good, would face a tougher Dallas defense. Um, with the with Jamal Williams, you know, being for sure out, move the needle at all for you on Jones into that next group of guys, or is it just like we just haven't seen enough from him? Yeah, I think Jones would slide up with Jamal Williams. You know, it's it's always a question with these running back by committees if the plan is just any two running backs will do, or if it's just like, hey, we like these two guys. So it's kind of a wait and see. Like, you know, one thing we've learned in the NFL in the last few years is that second running back going down in the committee means a lot less than we used to think it would. And uh, that's something I'm going to be keeping an eye out for. But one guy who was not in a running back by committee this week, Doug, your buddy Wayne Gallman. Um, yeah. uh, John Hillman, Hill, Hillman got some carries, but I got you. I, yeah, we, we Gallman had 20, 25 plays drawn up for him. I think you can pretty safely say that he's the number one running back. And that game was also a blowout. So they could take, they could rest Gallman a little bit. You got to save him for the future, Doug. This team's 500 now. They're, they're making a run at the playoffs. Um, I should read you. My, my dad sent me a text about this game. We were texting back and forth and he wrote a, he, like, he barely ever gets excited about stuff, and he just wrote, as if I didn't know, this is like six hours after the game was over, Giants beat Redskins 24-3, exclamation point. Jones is great. Love you, exclamation point. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so. I love when, when old people get excited about sports. It's one of the few charming things we have left. It's like going to the baseball game with your son. Ah, the You're very excited. Anyway, did, not mention, did not mention Goldman though, so go ahead. <laughs> Tell my dad about Well, Goldman. Saquon Barkley. I, I was down on Goldman going into this game. 
And then I saw a tweet from Saquon Barkley that said, 22, go and eat. Okay? And after looking up who number 22 was on the Giants <laughs> and realizing it was Wayne Gallman, I thought, huh, like if Saquon actually believes in this guy and he says this guy's going to eat, that leads me, what it led me to believe was the plan in all seriousness was that Gallman would be like kind of sliding right into that Barkley role. And he did. He, he wasn't as electric as Barkley. This guy got targeted seven times in the game. That was really the question with Gallman because we've seen him plug in and do this three and a half yards per attempt routine before. And I think that's what we were concerned about, that he would get these 18 carries for 63 yards and sort of call it a Sunday. Um, you know, the touchdowns were there, which you like to see. It's, you know, it's just a way you don't get extra credit for getting the touchdowns as a running back, but it's it, you don't lose the mark against you. Like, you know, in Kansas City where there's a Darrell Williams who can come in and get two touchdowns on eight carries for 13 yards. Like, Gallman doesn't have anything like that he's worried about right now. And he's he's very cheap going into this week, too, in a game that Vegas thinks the Giants will keep competitive. So, you know, it's, it's not as good a matchup as the Redskins, that's for sure. But if you know that he's going to be involved in 25 touches, you got to kind of take him a little more seriously, right? Well, especially with the seven targets, because if you think they're even going to fall behind, the fact that he's going to be in that, if he's going to be in sort of the catch-up packages, then you really, really like to see it. Now, it didn't happen the week before when Barkley went down. Uh, Goldman was on the field a lot, barely touched the ball at all, especially in the passing game. So sometimes these plays that get drawn up um, for him to pass are like sometimes like still continue to be in advantageous spots because they're winning the game. So like not all passing targets are the same. Like ca- catch up passing targets and you know we're winning and we just have you on your heels. Targets are, are probably just two separate things. But if he's just gonna be the every down guy, and I was busting your butt about Hillman, like because like of course he was not. He was like sort of like that fourth quarter. We're we're killing him at this point. They, they spelled him a little bit, but for the most part it was gone. Um, no, I'm I'm with you. It's, and by the, it's I just like to think about him in the catch up packages, like the ones the ones you find with the McDonald's fries. That's just all I can oh, think like about. Just I didn't hear anything you said after he, that he was in all the catch up packages. But go ahead. Yeah, shaking out the ones at Wendy's and just I actually know Wendy's had the pump. That was <laughs> they, they were so far ahead of the game. You, had, you oh. pumped it out, pumped them out, and put it into the little the little uh, cardboard ones. Yeah, no, I mean I think he's not going to end up for me in cash games this week. I don't think just because there's just so many of these good running backs uh, in more just advantageous situations <laughs> specifically when it comes to the spread uh, that we'll see as we kind of like as we get into these the plays more tomorrow but I, again though these these decisions are going to be very very close I just don't really see things shaking out quite the same way uh, let's talk receiver a little bit I mentioned him before Keenan Allen um, was a chalk play they had every receiver was hurt and just really again underperformed are we at a point now yeah. when we see Allen who is light years ahead in terms of targets going into last week mm-hmm. that he underperforms as a chalk play. Does it, is it? I don't want to take one guy and make it a rule for the whole position, but do we see just yet another example of why we need to continue paying for like these three-down running backs, of which we said there's like six or seven of? Like we, Those need to be our priorities and not maybe like Keenan Allen at 7,500 on, dra- on FanDuel. Or um, he's like, I think it's the same price range on, on DraftKings as well. Like, when we talk about just prioritizing salary, even with this full PPR, the, the, the idea that he's just much better than almost every other wide receiver when it comes to this, should we just be making sure that our money's going to these other guys that are just definitely going to touch the ball 20 times, come hell or high water, doesn't matter? Or do we need to keep prioritizing a guy like Allen? He's 7,300 on DraftKings this week. Well, I think it all depends on what you're comparing him against. So, you know, if you're looking at, like last week, um, when you when you're third running back or second running back is going to be these speculative plays like Fournette or Gallman, uh, who's certainly looking a lot more speculative going into last week, I think. And then you're comparing it and you're like, okay, well, or I could play like Dalvin Cook, who wound up being terrible at, at a much higher price tag. 
Um, I think in cases like that, then you can sort of prioritize Alan because if you're comparing him, it's basically you compare him to the other plays at the other positions and figuring out which one is more safe. So, you know, we went through this routine on our inner DraftKings lineups actually where we were discussing Tyler Lockett in kind of the same way where you're like, okay, Lockett's been good, but has he really been that, like, is he really that projectable when compared to these lower tier running backs like Marlon Mack or Fournette? or Gallman once again. And I think what we've learned time and time again is that running back opportunity just tends to be safer. And at wide receiver, again, we're, we're looking across multiple price tiers. And so going into last week, um, you know, kind of the thought process was, okay, well, we can go down and get someone like Paul Richardson. Obviously, that didn't wind up working out uh, just because of the crazy quarterback situation in Washington. But, um, but yeah, it's basically comparing someone at a certain price tier with other plays at other price tiers. This is a really long-winded and potentially obtuse explanation here. But but the idea is like at running back last week, you could really only get safety from Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler, right? So you kind of had to pay up there. Um, and then you could figure out how you were going to pay down elsewhere. At running back this week, if we think there's safety across more price tiers, that leaves us more flexibility uh, to prioritize someone like Allen. Because regardless of what happened last week, I still think as you get down a tier below him that you do lose a lot of safety. So... Um, really long answer, but I do th- still think that when in doubt, someone like Allen, you know, one bad week notwithstanding, is still going to be significantly safer uh, than the guys in the tier below him that, that haven't shown, you know, even three or four games where they get double-digit targets and so on. Among the top 10 season long, so far in the season, DraftKings uh, scores, so just cumulative scoring over the first four weeks, there are two wide receivers in the top 10. One is Keenan Allen. Do you know who the second one is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because I'm looking at it. So go ahead. Oh, so you know who's Cooper Cup? Yeah. Yeah, so okay. Cooper Cup is the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Is the eighth overall DraftKings score. Now, we talked about him as a cash game play, possibly going into last week. And then, but then we talked about the idea that just sustaining these kind of price tiers on multiple wide receivers plus Todd Gurley in this offense was just going to seem really hard in a way that it didn't seem like Keenan Allen would be as difficult, right, where he's just like clearly the only option, um, well, supposedly, for Phillip Rivers. And then there was, just, there was a few other mouths to feed, to use like the old stupid saying. Do you still feel this way about Cup? Or do we, I mean, we just get off a week where Jared Goff just threw for 517 yards, lost a game by two touchdowns somehow by throwing that much. You don't, I, you don't get the opportunity to throw that much unless you're losing, so I get that part of it. But um, do we just see, like, another week of Cup just being this so just elite target guy in an offense that is just going to seem like it's just going to want to throw a ton anyway, sort of like no matter how the game is going? Now, again, they were playing crazy catch-up in this one, but where do you rank Cup in terms of just overall receivers and he's like this class of receiver because going into the season he was didn't was not going to be with Keenan Allen and Michael Thomas and you know these other Julio Jones and Odell Beckham but he's way outperforming everyone basically except for Thomas and Allen who are just kind of close to him. Where do you rank him? Well, also the, the Tampa Bay guys. The Tampa Bay guys are have both been slightly better than Cup too. But um, in terms of fan, yeah, in, terms think, of, in terms of DraftKings scoring this year, no, they haven't been. Yeah, well, I'm staring right at it and I see you're looking at no, Godwin and Evans. But you you might be looking at something different. I'm looking at no because you're like because I know what you're looking at you're looking at our leaderboard, which is not drafting scoring. That's just it's not it's not non PP okay. it's non PPR. So the PP with, see, with PPR scoring, um, right? Because Evans only has 18 catches. I correct. With PPR scoring, um, Cup is the Cup is the eighth overall guy and well ahead of those other guys. Okay, yeah. Nonetheless, so he's up in this tier where, and, and you know, since Cup is something of a possession receiver too here. Um, 
Yeah, he, I, he's doing it on a week-to-week basis. I don't know that I'm re- quite ready. Like the issue I've always had with these Rams receivers is that there is always the possibility that it's just not your week to get your number called. Now it hasn't borne out yet, and perhaps you know the discount we're getting on Cup is unwarranted. I mean, this guy's 6,800 on Fanduel. Uh, that'll be a tough number to get away from going into this week. You know, coming off now back-to-back double-digit target weeks, back-to-back week where he scores a touchdown. Um, so I, I'm totally down to play him, I guess is what I'm saying, on these lower price points. But this is kind of my point, too, where as you're, you know, kind of shifting from price tier to price tier, you do need to play three wide receivers. But if I can scoop Cooper Cup at 6,800, that's a, that what that really is, is a super strong case against paying up all the way for guys like DeAndre Hopkins or Julio Jones, you know, who, who at this point should be absolute basement tier in terms of ownership for cash, because, I just think you can get great safety elsewhere. Even someone like Chris Godwin. Like, I'd love to know how you compare someone like Chris Godwin to Cooper Cup. I mean, I get that Godwin's been, you know, he's had all that preseason hype. He's been excellent so far. Cup has 13 more targets than Godwin does so far this season. Like, um, and he's $1,000 cheaper on FanDuel. Like, is that even close to you head-to-head picking between those two guys? Or do you see a case for playing Godwin uh, over Cup here? I mean, it just seems like well, the Godwin thing is, he had, he's a lot. A lot of his scoring, unfortunately, is on the back of this like one seventy two and two touch game that he had against the Rams this last week. Because before that, he had four, nine, six, and nine targets. Like so, from a week to week basis, I think I just keep having to go with Cuff. Like the, the double digit targets week in and week out yeah. would have me there for cash games. Godwin actually, you know, has this explosive, the maybe more of the explosive game in him, and so maybe from like a standard deviation, you see him more as just a. Uh, and you just see him as just like a tournament play if you're just using these like simple terms of tournament play as opposed to a cash game play. But like Cup is a thousand less. Th- I, look, Cup is not on the. I, I'm the one who brought him up. He's not on the main slate this week. But just from like just an overall standpoint, Cup is a thousand less than Goblin. Like you'd be absolutely insane to play Goblin in cash at this point over Cup. Like there's just no. Right. There's not. There's no. There's just simply no case for it. So. Um, when we get to tournaments, it's a totally different ball game in terms of like you know if you game stacked if you game stacked the Rams and and Bucks then good that this you know this is just the kind of game you're looking for from someone like Godwin but uh, yeah no from a cash game week to week perspective there's really I can't make any good good case for Godwin especially when you especially when you factor in price uh, any other wide receiver games kind of stand out we get another week of just kind of like getting burned on uh, you know I mentioned I thought Sammy Watkins had as much upside as any player in the game last week and just kind of went the same way that Mahomes went where he just really couldn't get anything done did lose a fumble also yeah. so he kind of had a lot, a lot of stuff not going as go his way AJ Brown scores uh, goes for three for 100 yards and two touchdowns I don't know if we want to make anything of that yeah, you're not going to chase uh, that yeah this I think the the one of the sad things about the week if you want to call it that was that it was a really bad wide receiver week I mean we saw the huge Godwin game uh, which was fun you know just that that whole game in general was really fun you basically had to have both sides of the Tampa Bay LA game in order to do anything in big tournaments but after that you know aside from the AJ Brown fluky game no one else had 20 fantasy points on FanDuel and that's that's pretty rough um you know Galladay gets in the end zone twice but otherwise was pretty uninspiring same story for Cortland Sutton uh, Devontae Adams was back. You like to see that. But, you know, again, this is just not the season so far where you're going to pay up at wide receiver, in my opinion. And then you're down in like the, you know, Corey Davis sort of um, Devontae Parker sort of tier, like pretty quickly where uh, a lot of the big name receivers that you were hoping for big games from didn't show up. Uh, one more name for you before we probably start moving to tight end and getting out of here. Uh, Jarvis Landry. It was yeah welcome sight to see him come back. 
uh, and be kind of the guy that many people pictured him being going into this season, catching eight balls uh, for the 160 yards. Uh, he's now questionable in the concussion protocol, but um, you know, it was just cool to see him come back and be the receiver that we thought he could be. So always sad to see a guy have his best game of the season and then get a little hurt. You know, we'll hope that he kind of bounces back and he'll be ready for next week. But um, but yeah, it was it was certainly curious to see that where everyone was picturing Beckham being the the big name coming out of the Cleveland passing game, and really Landry has been every bit as good, if not better, than Beckham. Um, although I suppose you could just argue that Beckham arriving makes all the attention focused on him. So I do think not that really one, sure, but it doesn't matter for DFS purposes. One thing that I think is interesting that's a good sign for the Browns. I mean, obviously them winning the game is a good sign. The good sign is that when these other guys just start getting involved, because like every guy like Landry that steps up has a good game, and Chubb obviously just goes without saying. The guy was just like you know the play of the week basically yeah. at running back. Um, but every one of these guys that continues to have good games is just gonna probably just open the door for Beckham to have a huge game soon too, because it just means that when once everyone gets going, then the you know things just start opening up more. So I think that like the Beckham, my guess is like a huge Beckham game is coming. They get the, they get the Rams, excuse me, they get the Niners on Monday night this week. I'm not necessarily saying this is the one the Niners defense has been really good so far this season, and going across the country. Uh, to the West Coast is probably not where big games are usually born, but I do think that it's a good sign for the Browns in general that Landry has that like sort of possession game that you need. They probably just need to have happen to open up the other, other pieces of the game because they were basically just running downhill for most of the second half. Um, I mean, yeah, you can. Will Disley at tight end was a chalk play. I know people wanted to fade that hard. It wasn't that chalk. Um, we, yeah. He was. We we got away with something a little bit there. He was. Not as highly owned as he could have been, for sure. Yeah, people were. I saw a lot of Twitter tilt um, when he scored because people wanted to be on a lot of like bigger names in the industry, and I get it too, especially from a GPP GPP standpoint. Wanted to be on a full Disley fade, which makes total sense. Like you can, there's no oh, reason. Oh yeah, the for two this. touchdowns the previous week. Right? Yeah, there's no reason. I, look, he the, the draft. He was a much more palatable DraftKings price at 3100 than it was on FanDuel. So um, I think I'd probably I was better. I, I was more for it there than on FanDuel. But I, I know people were getting p- pretty pissed off when, when he gets there really quickly with the touchdown because um, it did seem like a pretty opportunistic time to fade him just based on very little track record and sure. just it's Will Disley. It's Will Disley. But other than him, anything else to be made at tight end before we get out of here? Yeah, Austin Hooper, I think, came back out. Um, you know, he's been fairly consistent so far this season. He comes out and catches nine balls for 130 yards. Uh, he was really the only, you know, tight end game of note. I want to caution people, like I have perhaps 1,000 times on this podcast in the past, just completely ignore games like the Ricky Seals-Jones game. Like three, If you get three targets and turn that into 14 fantasy points and being the biggest tight end play on the week, it's just total luck. Like don't Just ignore it totally. A tight end is a position, especially where we're looking at targets really above everything else. And it's basically targets and then red zone targets. And then you know everything else tends to come out in the wash. And so uh, that's how we're going to be proceeding going forward. The one game I wanted to ask you about, though, that was sort of off-brand based on what we've seen recently, uh, but it's a name we've kicked around many times in the past, is Jimmy Graham. Uh, this guy goes two consecutive games with no catches, zero fantasy points, and then he goes out there against Philly, catches six balls for 61 and a touch. Do we care? He's still really yeah. cheap based on uh, how terrible he was prior to that. No, he's not like the Will Disley of week five going in here you just can't have you can't be full health and get zero targets like, or zero catches you know what i mean like and just and yeah. trust and to trust your any part of the offense like i just don't that's just it, it's so different than like even disley who at least get it is tar- you know was even sort of targeted before they traded vanit like the fact that graham sure. has just been the only tight end in this offense you know kind of like for multiple seasons now 
and the targets just aren't there on a week-to-week basis. He's just a touchdown guy. Like you, I get that he had the 60 yards, but for the most part, you're kind of just trying to luck box a touchdown out of him. He's definitely in that group. I guess I get that he has like a bigger name cachet than other guys, but my guess is that if he wasn't named Jimmy Graham, we wouldn't be talking about him. It's just the fact that he's Graham, and he's been around for a long time, and the name is kind of known just in fantasy circles because you just – He's just been around for so long. I my get. I, I don't know if it wasn't Jimmy Graham. I don't think. I think he'd be in that Ricky Seals, J- Jones class of guys, except that he just has been around longer. The one thing about Hooper, Hooper's interesting because he's actually made something of a target leap this year. His his median target this year is eight, and his average is eight point two five. Like this is just a guy that is getting targeted. These aren't you know sort of the differences. These aren't fluky games. Like this seems to be like sort of a just a possible just shift in the way the offense is going that they just hadn't been going in the past couple of years in terms of throwing to the tight end. He just, they're, they're finding something there and it's been pretty consistent. So yes to Hooper, no to Jimmy Graham. And I think we'll call it there. We'll be back tomorrow. We're trying to wade through cash games. I have a feeling this is going to be a tough one. Uh, as opposed, I felt like the first four weeks for the most part have laid themselves out outside of a few moves here and there have laid themselves out pretty clearly. I do. I get the sense that week five is just not going to be the case for that. Famous last words, injuries and stuff can always crop up, but this one uh, is sort of shaking out, I think, to be a way that we might even be disagreeing on some guys. There's going to be a lot of this guy or that guy, I think, sort of conversation, especially guys guys that are just the same price at a lot of positions. So we'll get into that tomorrow uh, on the Cash Game Podcast, and obviously we'll be back for the Week 5 game-by-game preview. DFSR.com slash deals is where you can go to get a free seven-day trial to our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. I think we're four and six on something, something like that. We have six and eight on uh, cash game main slates for the two slates this year. So Six um, and eight. That makes, sounds like there have been 14 cash game main slates. We're six and two so far. So oh, six and two. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was, I was going the, the amount. We have six out of eight was what I meant to say. Um, yeah, no. So, yeah, okay. not, we don't have a losing it's record. It's a math guy, folks. You can trust us. We're good at this stuff. <laughs> it didn't put it in a spreadsheet. Okay. DFSR.com slash deals will get you uh, that a free trial to that projection system. And as always, go and follow us uh, on all social media accounts and rate and review the podcast as well. So there's a bunch of stuff you can do to help out the podcast. Much appreciated. We'll be back again tomorrow talking cash games for week five. Buddy, talk to you tomorrow. Peace.